Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast. Here with my bro, my main man, Jimmy. How are you? Hump day is almost over. And it'll be Thursday by the time most people are listening to this. That's right. Well, um, I think we were planning on talking about whether or not someone actually landed on the moon. Did someone actually set foot on the full moon? Is that what we're talking about tonight? What do you want to talk impeachment? What's the topic for tonight? Husky football. And we could talk a little Husky b-ball if you want. No, I'm not talking b-ball. Too early for me, man. Listen, you said you had some positives. So let's start out with some positives. So we're going to get right to it. Well, what else do you want to do? I don't want to get to the game quite yet. I'm not ready. I'd rather hear some positives, but no. Well, one, 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 I mean, one positive about the game is um, it was kind of surprising how we lost, but we did not lose because we failed to stop Zach Moss. He had 27 carries for 100 yards, and we lost the game because we could not hold up in one-on-one coverage. Our defensive backs had a bad game. I mean, Tyler Huntley is improved. He did throw some good passes. That was disappointing, but we didn't lose the game because Zach Moss ran all over us. And another reason we lost the game is because our our MVP, Jacob Eason, he just had a bad game. I mean, he had three horrible turnovers. Uh, so I, I feel like Eason is going to bounce back. He's going to close the season really strong. And so I feel better about the game uh, given uh, – I mean, obviously I don't feel good about the game we lost, but um, – it would have been more upsetting to see us really get gashed in the run game. I think, you know, the, the pass game, I think that's fixable. And I, and I thought that our front um, really did a good job getting pressure. Joe Tryon had a really good game. There was one key play where he got free and he missed Huntley, unfortunately. I think it was a big mm-hmm. third down conversion. But yeah. um, the defensive line, you know, and the outside linebackers, um, they're they're improving. And... I mean, I don't want to look ahead to the future, but um, the defensive line and, and outside linebacker position is really going to be stellar, I think, uh, coming up to close this season and especially next year. So I, I, I'm excited about that. That's that's one positive. Well, and I think, you know, if we want to stick on the, uh, the positive slant, the fact that uh, our boys of Washington, they were winning. You know, a good chunk of the game. And, you know, Utah right now is considered the the cream of the crop, even though I believe Oregon came out ahead in the first uh, playoff rankings. Uh, But a lot of people would say, you know, Utah's got got the best defense. Uh, Huntley has certainly improved. They have a good running game. They're receivers. I, I think that Utah guy that we had on in the preseason did did point out that the receiver play would be better and they had some playmakers finally on the outside, which they showed. Uh, I don't know if it was a combination of just them being better and our, our corners having an off day, so to speak. I, mean, I think we were really surprised on the corner play by Washington. Um, so, yeah, for the if you want to first start, the fact that, that uh, they were toe-to-toe for most of the game and just kind of let it deteriorate as time went on. I mean, supposedly, you know, Oregon and Utah are the best teams and Washington had leads, you know, leads, significant leads at certain points for most of the game. Um, So, like, it's been talked about. Are they a linebacker, decent linebacker away from having a completely different record uh, to this season? Potentially, um, so yeah. I mean, the positives on that regard is that they uh, they were able to, to control large parts of the game. But just like you had pointed out, I mean, Eason had his worst game of the year, and you know had you know the ultimate sin in throwing you know an interception for touchdown, which you know obviously is a play that can't happen. But it did, and nothing you can do about it now. Uh, but yeah, I think you know if you want to draw some some high points of the game is that you know they were they were in control for a lot of it. Yeah, and and we were in control despite 
failing to get a stranglehold on the game, you could say, or at least get more control. I mean, e- even that um, that play before halftime, that switch where Devin Culp just can't hold on to that fourth down play, and then and before that very bad clock management by Peterson. I mean, everybody in the crowd was shocked that he called the timeout so soon. Uh, but that you know that is that was a six point swing. You know, possibly as much as a, a 10-point swing. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe we end up scoring a touchdown there if Culp hangs on and, and gets a few more yards after catch. Um, so, But even after that, and even after Eason threw a bad interception, we would have at least got a field goal in the third quarter, we still were able to take an eight-point lead. I mean, the next drive, we, we drove down and scored a touchdown. And, you know, we did get, uh, when Utah drove right back down, and we got a turnover after that. Um, unfortunately, it just seemed like every time Utah really needed, um, you know, they needed to make a play or they needed to score, they made it. Well, in another one of those turnovers, I think Molden recovered. Uh, I think we stalled out. We had two false start penalties right, right. in a row, which was, you know, that was just a an atrocious series um, that, and, you know, that. And I found it, uh, it seemed like the team found it a little deflating. You could almost sense it in the stadium itself uh, when those things started to happen. So I, I, I do believe there is some mental component uh, has cropped up with this team where you can kind of feel the air slowly coming out of the tire with this team when, when things don't quite go their way. And I think this happened earlier on. In Pete's tenure, too, we saw this kind of repeating itself. Uh, so ho- hopefully it's an area they, they can continue to build upon uh, you know, a- as they close out the season. And one marker of that, I think, will be obviously how they finish uh, these last few games, right? Like, we certainly don't want to see them fold. Uh, you know, <laughs> certainly not Friday. But when we look at this team as a whole i mean there's there's so many things that we are early on excited about but then there are areas of concern and the areas of concern have been have been definitely detrimental to this team but look they didn't have puka for this game against utah you know they and and you know we saw spiker come in early and then for some reason disappear we see chin you know make a good play then he disappears you know, and I know Pete talks about you know criticizing the players. They're not a real fan, but truly, I really feel like if we're going to put any any sort of blame on this season, as Dick would say, we're a five and four team, five and four. We're a five and four football team. I mean, Jess, I, I just think this year falls squarely on the coaches. I don't think there's a lot of room for criticism against the players, frankly. And, and like. I agree, and I think Pete knows it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And that this one, this season is going to eat at him. I think like no other, especially, uh, especially if Eason leaves. Then it's a, that that really magnifies the failure of this season. Yeah, and and you really nailed it. Or you know, I think last week when you talked about getting the young guys reps, um, you know, in with with Eason in fall camp and then getting those young guys in against Eastern take your take your lumps early I mean is it clear as day where the talent lies in some groupings of this team that just aren't playing and that you know that's squarely on wide receiver that has been the most glaring weakness outside of linebacker yeah receiver play yeah and just before I go to receivers, just a quick point. And also, we basically had no backup running back because everybody was hurt. Even Cam Davis was hurt. I didn't even realize that, but when I rewatched the broadcast, they said Cam Davis was hurt. So Malik Braxton, like our sixth best yeah, I saw him running back. I mean, yeah, he, basically we had we had no, you know, we, we were down to, to no backup running back, basically. So I wanted to add that into your thought. Uh, but no, I completely agree with receiver. And I mean, Terrell Bynum the last two games, I mean, he's been good. Jordan Chin, all he does is catch touchdowns, apparently. They put him in the game, he catches a touchdown, and then he's ne- he's never to be seen again until next game. You know, this week, 
he's probably going to score a touchdown, and that'll be it. And it'll get yanked. Spiker, uh, you know, he's played, but I mean, he, he's looked great. I, I mean, in these guys, the, the thing with these young guys, Jimmy, is they haven't even been getting um, that many reps. Like when we started, when they started to play, it, it really started in the second half of the um, Arizona game where Jordan Chin had a big catch on the first drive. Uh, Puka had a couple big catches. Uh, and then the Oregon game. Uh, but that, that was really like the first action that these guys saw. Like it wasn't like, you know, it took them like half a season to be effective. Like as soon as they started getting reps, they were, they were effective. Like there was no lag time there. So these guys, they were ready to contribute probably since the beginning of the season or at least the second week. I would venture to say they were ready against Eastern. Uh, excuse me, Eastern. And, and, and why not? <laughs> why not make some mistakes against a team that you know that you've to- you're totally you know outclassed, out outmatched. And, and, and I know we're getting a little off topic in regards to the Utah game, but again, it just take your lumps early against a, a team that you know you're going to beat. I mean, there's just there was there would be no chance of Eastern winning that game. Um, it's cool, but you know here we are against Utah, you know, quote unquote, like we said, the best defense in the pack, and Chin and Spiker get on the field and they make plays and they get no other opportunity to do so. And then you know Spiker, I think, got one or two plays after that, and then late in the third, then he gets hit. Hurt, he gets hit by two guys. Still gets hands on the ball. I don't know if you rewatched that. The one, the one that was uh, incomplete at the end, but he, yeah. he he had the catch for most. He came down with the ball, then it kind of squirted out at the end. Well, that was a play he got hurt on. But I mean, he still had two hands on the ball. He still made a a great attempt there to make that catch. Yeah, he nearly caught it. And he, he had that ball in his hands, and he was crumpled by two guys so even though the play didn't result in the catch he still you know made, made a good play on the ball um, so I, it, it's it's truly shocking um, and, and you know who else is totally shocked your boy Hugh Millen he's completely flummoxed flummoxed he even said it he's flummoxed about the decisions made by the coaching staff in regards to reps given to Eason versus Hayner, and then just the pure uh, abilities that these young receivers showed in spring and fall. He went to 12 of the 15 fall practices to watch this team. And, you know, he, he's beside himself to the, you know, dumbfounded, so to speak, with why these guys aren't playing. And, and who's to say just that? You know, you give these guys more reps, they win the game against Utah. They make more plays with those guys in the game offensively. Right, if you're saying earlier in the season, because then they would have been that much more effective against Oregon and Utah. 100%. 100%. And, you know, what was hard hard to imagine is like what we talked about, Moss getting 100 yards, but then it's our secondary getting torched. And, I don't, you know, and another thing that drives me, a little nuts about Lake continuously blitzes Miles Bryant. Yeah, he now, gets stuffed. He gets stuffed. Now he's smaller and quick, like your But he just like if he gets a, a lineman gets their hands on him, it's over. Like he has no shot. And they continue to send him in there, and he's getting no pressure on the quarterback. And you're leaving guys out in situations where they got burned, and like you know, Molden. One of my favorite defensive players. I mean, he's had some tough games, and uh, you know, Saturday was not kind to him. And I don't know necessarily like if Nate, if uh, Lake was on his game, uh, you know, p- calling defenses uh, or calling the plays for the defense. But I, I just, it was hard to see. You just don't see our secondary getting burned a whole lot, and they gave up. Over 35 points, correct? 35. Or was it 33? I thought... 33 points. No, it was 33? Yes. Yeah, 33. That's right. 33 points. 
So did the 30-point streak end in this game? Oh, no, that was Oregon scored over we that. got a 35-point streak, though, apparently. Yeah, 35 points. That's but, awesome. you know, the, the one thing about Lake and calling the defense and just analyzing a lot of these things, it's so hard to know just how much is everything's being impacted by the fact that we're just so terrible at inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll go the P route, like, I'm not big into bashing the players. I don't. Right. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to bash individual players, but I just mean the fact that we're literally getting nothing. They y- they yanked like we. Manu got pulled. I think late in the third. He never came back in. Uh, the rest of the game. I mean, he he had a tough day, and you know, he was missing tackles. But um, to, to show you how yeah, but to show you how difficult the situation is at inside linebacker. They've been playing other guys outside of Manu, and they haven't been, like, there hasn't been that big of a difference. Yeah. Like, if there was a clear difference, Manu wouldn't be out there. Right. No, for sure. And and, and those are, you know, just the the attrition, too, that the position has taken, obviously, has hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, Bob Gregory, look, this is the time of year where we start to see coaches getting fired. Uh, Bob Gregory, th- yeah, there's a couple of press releases that I'd like to see. Number one, Jacob Beeson <laughs> decides to return to Washington. That'll be the number one thing we're all looking for. And, you know, before that, I'd like to see Bob Gregory fired. Yeah. And- I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it in season, actually, at least before the bowl game. Well, we we see differently on the these two points. I I don't think I don't think Gregory is going anywhere, and I don't think your boy Hampton's going anywhere either. I I think the staff stays intact one more year. No, I I disagree on that, brother. I think they're both gone. I just so, don't see how I don't see how they're going to be. So Smalls is going to have a different position coach when he comes to Washington next fall. That's your guess? Yeah, Kawasaki or Malloy. Yeah, he's 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 an outside linebacker. He's not an inside linebacker. Well, that's true. That's right. He'll play on the. That's true. He'll play. Uh, well, I imagine he's going to play the Buck, right? Right. So he's going to play. Uh, he'll play on the line. He'll drop off into coverage. Right, I, that the, at outside linebacker, I really like how we're shaping up. I think Tryon's going to continue to improve. I mean, he's yeah, he's showed flashes. Leia to Latu. I mean, he's showed flashes. He's a big time talent. And then you throw. I mean, Nagata. I think they just have to figure out how to use him. But then you throw in Smalls. I mean, there there is some serious talent at that position. I think we're really going to start to see it flourish. Hopefully, in these last couple games, but definitely next season. Well, wouldn't you like to see Nata just get every snap on inside? He just can't, maybe can't hold up the entire game. I definitely think he should. He doesn't get that many snaps, man. He doesn't play that much. Yeah, I, I think he was in. He had a bad false start, and then did they take him out for the rest of the game? I, the only game he played a lot was against Arizona. Yeah, he has not. He just hasn't played a lot of football this year. He's played a lot of situational football, and I, I wonder if he's dealing with anything, limiting his play. I, I don't know. But, I mean, the way the emergence we saw with him last year, I, I do find it a little puzzling that he doesn't see the field more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think you're right against at inside linebacker. He probably has a little trouble holding up. Yeah, well, they, you know, it could be the fact that he's just not detailed enough in practice during the week. <laughs> that that practice thing again. Yeah, I mean, it it comes down to how you perform during the week, you know. So it might be that uh, Nata's just not the best practicer. <laughs> yeah, you, you know one one issue I think, um, but just regards in regards to wide receivers and you know not playing the best guys and I, I do think there's kind of a leadership vacuum on the team. I don't a lot of the senior class. I don't 
I, I just I, obviously I don't know. I'm just guessing because I'm not there at practice. I don't know what the coaches know. I don't have any idea. But it seems to be there's some kind of leadership vacuum there, and you know how you just explain leadership vacuum. Can you can you clarify what you're what you're trying to describe there? Yes. No, no leadership. A lack of leadership. Leadership is missing. Okay. But leadership um, vacuum just makes me sound intelligent, like I'm really knowledgeable. Okay. That's why I said it. Gotcha. But okay, again, so- I don't want to call out individual players because I think um, it's not their fault that they're in that position. You know, they, these guys have been playing a lot. We know who they are. They really should be depth players. And I just, I don't like, uh, if you look at Mike Hopkins, for example, he was talking about Sam Timmons, you know, the big guy from New Zealand. You know, he played a little bit last year. He's obviously yeah. he's obviously not going to play this year. But he was, uh, you know, because he's been supplanted by super talented freshmen. And uh, Mike Hopkins, I think at the media day, was asked about it, and he was just gave the guy great praise. He was saying he's a you know he's a great teammate. He works hard. He's a great leader. Blah blah. All this stuff that you know maybe it's fluff, maybe it's true, but um, you, you just it's too bad we couldn't have had that kind of thing on, uh, with our football team. You know, since we've had a lot of young guys come in on offense who are better than the upperclassmen. I know it creates tension and friction, but. I just, I, I, you know, that coupled with just a, a lack of leadership from the senior class, I think, you know, I think those things have hurt the team. I don't know if they're contributing to failing at the end of games, but I, I do think we're going to see a lot of addition by subtraction going into next year. I mean, I look the junior class, we're a young team, but the junior class is really strong. And I think we could see really good leadership out of those guys next year. So, that, I mean, that's another thing that I'm optimistic on. I just think the cloud of, you know, having seniors who are not as talented, you know, don't have a, a bright future like some of the really young guys, you know, I think maybe that has had some kind of a, you know, that's contributed to a lack of leadership and it's had some kind of impact I mean, I, I don't know how you can measure that, but I just feel like we're not going to have that issue next year because next year it, the team is mostly going to, for the most part, it's, it's going to be blue-chip players. And the upperclassmen that are going to be playing are blue-chip guys, basically. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I there was a comment. There was a few tweets that people got on the tweeters and were mentioning that there were some senior wide receivers laughing at the end of the game during a timeout I think while they were driving to attempt to score uh, you know if, if that is the case there, there, there's no laughing I never understood like look I've never competed at that level by any stretch but anytime I was playing competitively like, I, I rarely was laughing if I was losing or you know in a situation Maybe it's just levity. I don't know. Like Brett Favre, he always smiled and laughed in pressure situations. So it's hard to say. Like, but, what that's, but that's Brett Favre, not not a tryhard who shouldn't be playing in it for a D one school, right? But anyway, I just, continue. Like, I mean, there's just so much on the line in regards to. I mean, look, if if you're at home and you know you're losing, like man, I just I don't find a lot of room for for laughter. Especially when you're, you know, your season's spiral, you know, spiraling into the abyss, so to speak. And I, I think you would have been hard-pressed to find anyone saying that Washington was going to be 5-4 and four, uh, at, you know, this point in the year. Uh, I just, I think a lot of us didn't see that. And so, you know, with the, the amount of work and commitment and effort that you have to put in, on a yearly basis to compete, I, I just I don't know. But I, I, I will. The, the margins are thin. I mean, you predicted three losses this season, so you, you know, were damn close to where we are right now. I mean, I predicted two losses. I predicted we would lose to Utah and Stanford. Uh, you know, and the Oregon and Cal games, quite frankly, are games that easily could have been won. 
So there's oh, yeah. and there's not and look like I've said this before, but if you go back to last year and Stanford somehow has enough time to come back and win that game, uh, you know that we could have had a four, we would have had a four loss season, maybe even a five last season if we you know lost to somebody in a shit bowl. So that last year, that's why it was so great going to the Rose Bowl because it was it was almost like an all or nothing season. Like it would have been, I don't want to say it would have been worthless, but. Losing to Stanford would have that would have you know we would have been playing in some shit bowl and it would have been a huge disappointment. It would have been like this season. So there's I mean I think I think the line between you know where we were last year and where we could have been this year and where we are now. I mean there's a small distance between those areas. I mean it's a fine line, so they say. Um, but you know we are where we are record-wise. I mean, that's what matters the most, and that's where we are. But we're number 16 in the metrics consensus. So, I mean, if we went out from here, we're going to be, as far as how good we really are, we're going to be close to where we were the last two years. I don't think we're that much, you know, we're only slightly worse than we were the last two years. And what's frustrating is, given all the young talent that we have and the talent at quarterback, we should have been better. Like, if the program was managed better... And Pete started playing the young guys really early. And I mean managed better the last couple of years as far as recruiting. But we would have been a top 10 team this year. Maybe a top 7 team. So, I... I Jez, well, look at the offensive line. I mean, look at... I mean, just look at all the components of the offense. But the, the offensive line held up really well that game. Until uh, later the, in the game. The point... The, what I'm saying is that... What's so perplexing is that you look, and we went through this ad nauseum, and we were dugging a little bit at the start of the year, like breaking down this roster. It just seems, it seems unfathomable. Well, look, they, they put up a lot of points against Utah. They just had just egregious errors, right? And, they and we, had, could have, we could have had, sorry to interrupt, we could have had a lot more points. That was with three turnovers. You know, and and the, yeah. and and the Devin Culp dropping that pass—that was almost a fourth turnover, to be honest. So that's really well. That's what I was going to say. And then you you know you look at some crucial drops and some crucial plays. And I, I I can't recall who made the tweet, but I think you commented on it. But it showed that this offense is actually pretty good and it's explosive. But in clutch moments, they make really bad decisions, like. Bizarre plays, right? Like early, yeah, and in, in too many times up until this past game, it was not playing the best guys. I mean, against Cal, you had Hunter Bryant wasn't even out there on a critical goal yeah, line just, series. Yeah, just crazy. Like Hunter Bryant, like I don't—he hardly even saw the ball. And one, yeah, and one thing that uh, uh, Saban talks about, and our our buddy Go Dogs ninety one or Huskies fan ninety one, he sent this to me this week. Saban talks about this a lot, but Belichick also wrote something about this, about, you know, you don't have to be really complex with with plays. You know, your guys have to understand it. And really what it comes down to is get the ball to your best players, like in clutch situations. Like that's what you have to do. And if you, if that, if you do that and you lose, then so be it. You know, you got beat by a better player or a better team. But in, unfortunately, we have not really done that this year. And that comes back to the coaching, what you were talking about earlier. Well, and I think it's like, when are you going to just, just, just figure, you know, make the decision that this offensive scheme just has not worked, and it hasn't worked for a long time. Like, where, what level, what point do you have to get to? And I mean, like, granted, it, it just. Even though they put up points at three turnovers, something just feels not quite right about the offense. And and I think Voro also pointed out, and this goes back to coaching, I think in the last two fourth quarters, they have 10 rushing attempts for minus two yards. Yeah. And I, I know Pete made a comment that, you know, we the passing numbers were inflated because they're coming from behind. But, well, you weren't, you know, you were behind pretty late in the game. You know, you still had 52 passes, I think, to 20 runs against Utah. Uh, that's an that's an imbalance you don't really really want to be in. 
You know, granted, yeah, they were throwing more near the end. Like, Maybe. there's some inflation there. But it's pro- you were saying it's probably mental and revolves around confidence. It just seems like when we can feel the other teams coming back, then our, especially on offense, our confidence, you know, maybe it gets it gets hit because we know that the defense isn't going to, you know, they're not capable of making a stop. Well, Chess, you know, we're a 5-4 and four football team. That's what our record shows. And when that happens, it's the coach's fault, it's the player's fault. It's the game plan. It's the podcaster's fault. It's the podcaster's fault. It's Dick Baird's fault. It's Hugh Millen's fault. It's Softy's fault. <laughs> it's everybody's fault. It's HardcoreHusky.com. It's Bad on to Washington. It's Husky Hall. It's Dogman. It's Dugman. And what's that other one? UW Dog Pound. Duke Pound. And I guess there's a new Fourth and Inches podcast. It's their fault. Shout out to all of them, by the way. Yeah, just shout out to all of them. Sure. So, I mean, it's tough. I mean, if you're a Husky fan, it's not been the year you've been hoping. And, you know, there's some there's some tension among the fan base and that, it, you know, you can't be critical of the program and you just got to, you know, support them at no cost, which I don't think any of us are going anywhere. We just... yeah want to see better results and it's and, a big time commitment and money commitment and you like you like to see the team uh improve and we've you know it's been hard to see that improvement and peterson he was asked about this by softy uh i'll just read my tweet earlier today softy asked peterson about fans going after players and coaches and interesting response from pete peterson said show me a fan base that doesn't do that they probably aren't real fans that's the nature of sports and he also said that, like, you know, our guys don't pay any attention to that, which you're wrong about that because apparently. Yeah. And, I mean, I just, Dennis's his comment, and by the way, the responses on Dogman were hilarious. They were saying this guy probably lives in his parents' basement. His family probably hates him. <laughs> I was sending these to Dennis, and he was loving it. Uh, but, um I mean, Dennis's comment about we're mentally weak losers, I mean, it was harsh, but true. I mean, that was my feeling on it. It's it's harsh, but true. I I don't, you know, I think he could have put it in a little less harsh terms because players do read that stuff. Uh, But look, at the same time, the players reading that stuff and responding to it shows and signals weakness. Like, they should just be ignoring it. Like, don't. You know, don't reply to it. Don't reply to it in any fashion. Well, it was um, McGrew that responded to to Dennis on that. And, you know... I think, and I, you and I, we think Sean's a winner, actually. He's not one of the mentally weak guys on the team, to be no, honest, to be clear. No, we're, we're McGrew fans. We have been the whole time he's been at Washington. We always liked this game. We've always been positive about his contributions on the field. Uh, you know, I, and he has a right to respond if he reads it. He can say that. You know, he is grinding, and I'm sure it's hard work and all of those things. You know, and but when you've committed to to play in a billion dollar industry, and there's a ton of money involved, and there's, you know free things being given out and free education you know there comes criticism when the performance is poor and the spotlight's on you especially when you're on tv every week and uh you know you're put on the spotlight in in chess we we've been fans for decades and we've suffered through the dark decade we've suffered through some really poor coaches some poor ad's you know, McGrew will graduate and he'll move on to whatever he does next. And he'll probably be a dog fan for life, but he's probably not going to be a fan like like your, your crazy typical fan that are on the message boards and going to every game. Like, every, like you and me. Yeah, like you and I. So it, it's hard in the sense that we're going to be committed to this thing until the day we, we kick the bucket. 
<laughs> and, you know, players may feel a little differently about it. You know, their playing days are over and they've moved on in life. Like, some are probably still really attached to it. But I tell you, m- majority move on. Like, like, the idea that they're diehards like the fans and going to the games, that's just not, that's not the reality. And I, I think you would say the same thing, but I, I genuinely love every player that's ever played for the University of Washington. Even Tripper? I'm kidding. Of course. Of course. No, I mean, I feel no ill will towards all these guys. I want the best for them. I, You know, I want them, even just like last season, like going to the Rose Bowl, just because that senior class was a, a special group. Like, I wanted, you know, I wanted them to experience that more than myself as a fan. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but, um, you know, I, I want all the players to have a great college experience. I, I mean, I feel so bad for all the players who got sold, you know, on how great this can be. And, you know, they had to play for Tyrone and, and Sark and Gilby and, and just who got a raw end of the deal. Like, I just feel horrible for those guys. Yeah. I, yeah. There's, there's no ill will to any player. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we be criticisms, but it's not like, you know, it's not like the, you know, we, we hate the players or we're, you know, trashing the players. I mean, like I said, it's part of the it's part of the gig, and you're rewarded well. And I know there's a lot of problems in college football, but there's also a lot of positives in, in being a D1 athlete too. I mean, it's a grind. You're going to learn early in life that the rest of your life is going to be a grind. No, you're <laughs> exactly right, brother. So, with that, you want to get into some questions, or you have something yeah, else to say? No, let's do it. All right. Pete seems to imply Ty Jones is more than ready to play and last week said got to find a way to get him on the field is there more to the story than he wants to redshirt and only play in four games so at this point Jimmy I think there's assuming we go to a bowl four games left I think look we didn't need Ty Jones to win the last two games so I no. think that's I think that's why he hasn't played yeah, I mean, it's still, what do you got, four games now? He could, uh, plus a bowl game could be five, right? You got you got uh, Oregon State, Colorado. Oh, no. Wazoo. Wazoo, and then the bowl game, assuming they win enough games to qualify. So, yeah, I mean, if I guess it's, he could play four now and still redshirt. So, I think we'll find out on Friday whether he plays. I, I don't know about the comment. Why, why Pete would say that, you know, maybe it's, apparently he probably hasn't practiced well enough to play. Well, I just, I think they probably thought about playing him, but they felt that, you know, we have enough at wide receiver now where we don't need to throw him in there until the last four games. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, seems like it, that's logical. Uh, next question, can the coaching staff ever again coach a four-quarter game? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know how you would evaluate that because well, you know maybe maybe they did you know maybe they they've done the right thing at certain times and the, you know the players just didn't execute and they lost the game so it's it's hard to know but I think this season's just overall going to be very tough for Pete to swallow and I probably can't wait for the year to end to get started on. Uh, re, you know what they're going to do for next year to not repeat this because I'm sure it's been pretty painful. Best bets for future leaders on the club. Uh, well, future leaders. I think. Well, I like Eason as a future leader if he returns. <laughs> uh, I, I think Puka Nakua has a good chance of being a leader for this team. Um, Asa Turner, and I think uh, Savelle Smalls. Fuck I think yeah! So. I think uh, I think he's going to bring an edge to this team, especially obviously the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he kind of has that. He has, or he does. He has that swagger of leadership, and I, I think he's going to be a welcome addition. And I think he is going to bring leadership. Even as a true freshman, I mean, he has it in his mindset that he's going to start. 
and, and be here for three years. So works for me. He wants to bring a national championship to Washington with Sam Heward. And if he has that mindset and vision, he's going to be an automatic leader, uh, setting the tone and the baseline of expectations for where he wants to take this team. So those are some of the guys that come to mind for me. Yeah, I just I, I I feel like the young guys on the team have a really good camaraderie, not just the freshman class, which I've talked about, but if you look at if you watch some of the highlights, you know, like the young receivers when they make a play, when they come over to the sideline, you know, they're getting hugged and hit by their uh, you know, by the other guys on the team. So I, I really think the young guys really like each other and you know, the problems with the culture and leadership and that sort of thing. I just, I have a feeling it's really going to evaporate, you know, after the end of this year. And I mean, who knows, maybe if, you know, if we start seeing Peterson play, you know, play or take a few more reps away from the young guy, or the seniors to end the season, you know, maybe that'll usher in something for next year. But I, I just looking at the junior class, I really like the leadership potential um, you know, you got Eason, Savon, Levi, Keith Taylor, Molden, Ty Jones. You know, I know Ty Jones is going to redshirt. He's getting his redshirt this year. But, I mean, I look to those guys to really be the leaders of the team next year. Assuming they're all back. Which right. I, think, I think, at worst, most of them will be. So that's, I mean, that's hopefully those guys can step in and you know, give the kind of leadership that we had last year with, you know, Browning, Gaskin, Jordan Miller, BBK, Gaines, Jalen Johnson. So I'm, yes, I'm, sir. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Got some more questions. Um, what does Molden do that is so special? <coughs> Excuse me. What does Molden do that is so special? Are you okay over there? Yeah, I choked on something, I guess. Well, I think think he's got great coverage skills. He's shown hands. Um, He's shown to be smart on the field. Uh, He can tackle. Uh, So those are some of the things that come to mind for me. But I I think he has struggled uh, in coverage of late, especially uh, against speedier guys. Uh, he got picked on by Stanford with taller players. Uh, he isn't the biggest guy, but he's physical. He, he's not afraid to to tackle. Um, but yeah, I think uh, he probably had one of his lesser games against Utah. Also, it's difficult to know because the responsibility of a guy like Molden. I mean, it could change a little bit or be a little bit different from game to game, which could make evaluation harder, you know, from our perspective. I'm assuming this 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 individual is not uh, sold on Molden. Is that I, I you know it's hard to tell from the, the tone of the question. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Molden has. It looks like he's been struggling in recent weeks, but I'm just saying again, when you have you know, when you have linebackers inside linebackers who are giving you so little, I don't know. Maybe Molden has had to share in a little bit of their responsibility at the same time of doing what he normally does. I mean, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, no clue, no clue. <clears throat> uh, are the fourth quarter collapses this season a problem with mental toughness or physical conditioning? What can fix it? Uh, I know a lot of people have commented on on the physical conditioning port, portion. I, I don't know that it's necessarily been a conditioning matter. Uh, they rotate guys quite a bit uh, defensively. I think there's some mental components around, like we had mentioned earlier, with things not quite going their way and you can kind of just feel that that tire deflating <sighs> it, it, it's really hard to know <laughs> unless we were inside uh, I obviously 
conditioning and those types of things will never hurt if you're in the best possible shape that you can be in and that you're doing those things to stay um, competitive late in games, especially with more physical teams uh, like Utah. I mean, those things do matter. But like I said, they, they sell a lot of guys. They, they get a lot of guys uh, rotating in and out. Uh, I, I do think they they do need to learn to obviously hold on to leads, and and I think there's been some mistakes by the coaches uh, in some of these uh, <laughs> laps, these late losses. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily those things. Some of it's been on on the coaches and and their decisions during the game. So I, I think there's a trifecta play at play here. Yeah, Peterson had a comment about it where I think he was saying it was more of a mental and confidence issue. Yeah, I mean, I think we've always spoken pretty highly of Soha and the way he runs the strength program. Um, You know, some of these guys are younger, right? So they're not maybe physically where they need to be yet. And, you know, they will be next year. Our, our favorite saying at Washington <laughs> next year, it's going to be special. Well, it, 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 will, it will be if Eason comes back. Yeah, I mean, but look, the 2016, did we predict a playoff run for that 16 team? Well, you said they were going to go 11-1 and one leading into that season. Well, I didn't know. I don't think I said playoff, though. I'm just saying, right, like if the pieces come together and the conditioning gets tightened up and, and they, they take their lumps from this season and the coaches get better, you know, maybe next year, yeah, with like you said, with Eason becomes that potential special season. Next question, what happened to Benning Potawaki? Uh, I mean, I think he's still out there. Right, look, he had five tackles against Utah, so... Yeah, I think the D-line played pretty well. He has six and a half TFLs on the year. That's pretty high up statistically uh, compared to the other players in conference. So, But, yeah. I mean, like you said, they're rotating guys. I mean, Thule and Taimani, they've also been playing more. Uh, Bronson has been playing, um, you know, a fair amount. So they're, they're rotating guys. And, the, you know, they ask guys to do little things differently. In how they played, you know, they've not necessarily had a uh, a reputation of, of pressure, of being a pressure defense, bringing heat to the quarterback. I think that has changed some under Lake. Uh, there's some different responsibilities for the defensive line where they, you know, some of the guys can get lost in there. But I think Potawai has been fine. He's had a fine year. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line has not been the issue on defense. It's real, it's been the linebackers as we've beaten to death and also the secondary to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's it requires linebackers to come in and make plays. A defensive line uh you know, they're they're sh- shifting and changing the flow of for the offense to, to allow linebackers to make plays and uh, I you know, we're probably we're done talking about the linebackers. Yeah. It's just we've beaten that to death. It's it's just been beaten to death. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. well. I, that, I'm just just keep talking, brother, because I'm trying to see if there's any more questions here. I'm just making sure. I well, think what I do you have to keep saying. I, I mean, got everyone. Just whatever. I just really. I like hearing the sound of your voice. So keep going. <laughs> I, I don't know what else is there to be said about uh, this year. It's you know it is what our record is. We're five and four. And, uh, you know, I, I think all that you can hope for is that they don't fold the rest of the year. Just went out and then somebody could yell, nine wins after the bowl win. Like Wilcox. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that Wilcox? It was Wilcox. Wilcox. Yeah. Well, he's not going to be win- yelling nine wins at Cal this year. He can still say he beat Washington, though. Yeah. He's got that going. Well, well uh, that's it. Man. But, you know, the game's coming up, and uh, I, I'm not going to, Jimmy, I'm not going to put you through having to do a whole separate podcast. So 
Why don't we do a couple minute preview on the beeves, Jay Smitty's beeves, and then we'll predict, and then we'll go home. We'll hang up here for the night. Okay. I mean, the game's coming up in uh, a couple days. Yeah. I mean, less than forty-eight hours. That's in, unless though the uh, you know the truck racing goes long, and you know we're going to miss a first quarter of the game. You know they are they are having truck racing at five o'clock. Oh really? Yeah, and they have to show it to its entirety with interviews. So it's a chance we might not even get to see uh, the start of the uh, Beaver blowout of Washington. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, no, truthfully speaking, being serious, truck racing could have an impact uh, on being able to watch the game early. Or when it kicks off. Oh, yeah, that'll be that'll be frustrating. Thanks, Larry. Thanks a lot, Larry. We really appreciate it. Don't they, don't they put it on like FS2? Don't they put it on like- FS5 or FS10? One of those channels. I'm sure we'll get alerted. We'll get an alert at the bottom of the screen. We'll be, yeah, we'll be watching on Fox Business. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what do you want to preview with the Beavs? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chess. I've watched very little of the Beavs, but that Luton kid is playing pretty good. They put up some points. Uh, you know, I think uh, Washington's going to have to find some offense, even though, you know, with the Beavs' defense being as poor as, as it is. Yeah, I mean, according to beta rank, sorry to interrupt, bro, they're 124 in defensive rank. Oof. But they're five in offensive rank. But that being said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and pull up their schedule here because I don't think they have played that difficult of a schedule. They did play Utah recently, and they lost 42-7 to at home. I think it was 42-7. to It was a real beatdown. Yeah, it was a beatdown. I, you know, I, I do feel like it is necessary for me to issue an apology to Jonathan Smith for the years that I was so harsh of his play calling and I, I mean at times I would I would go as far to say I was brutal and I I have to make an apology that it it clearly wasn't Jonathan Smith's fault we we know where the blame lies, and I'll leave it at that. Well, if, if if we could go back in a time machine knowing what we know now, and Jacob Eason could say, yeah, Co- Coach Peterson, I'll go to Washington out of high school if you let Jonathan Smith be in charge of the offense and you don't have any say. <laughs> yeah. Then we go to the playoff three years in a row. <laughs> oh, don't even start. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't... Utah is really the only... The only uh, great team, we could say. You know, they just beat Oregon last week. Or, excuse me, they beat Arizona last week on the road, 56-38. to They did beat Cal on the road, 21-17. to huh? um, That's because Cal... Well, Cal's third string. I know, you've been talking about that... Well, real side note: What if Washington's defense had Evan Weaver? Uh, there's no way we have more than one loss. Probably. But hey, look, they look. I know you talk about the third string quarterback at Cal, but their defense was still. I mean, early wasn't it early on? Everyone saying that Cal's got a great defense. So they beat Cal. Good, you know. I'd give it. Good on them. Washington wasn't able to do it. Yeah, but it's a different Cal team that they played. Yeah, we played Garbers, but is Garbers that good? Yes, he, he is that much better than their number two and number three. Well, and fair enough. Cal, that's the only game that Cal has won in conference, and you know why? That's the only game that he finished. He got hurt the second game, so... Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, they beat UCLA, forty-eight to thirty-one. Excuse me, they lost to Utah, fifty-two to seven. So that was a huge beatdown. Yeah, that was. A- they lost to Hawaii at the beginning of the season, 
should have won that game. Look, they should have beat Stanford, honestly, and they should have beat Hawaii. Like they, sh- they, they're four and four. They potentially could be six and two. But in the metrics, here and there. Yeah, in the metrics, they are. Uh, where's my Sagarin? Because I like using that. There's some. Love, there's somewhere in the sixties. Sagarin. You just like saying Sagarin. Sagarin. Well, you know, metric superiority guy. His point spread, I think, has us favored by ten or eleven. I think that's the Vegas point spread. So, uh, look, Jimmy, I, I think we're going to close out the season uh, scoring a lot of points here in the last three weeks. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we don't score above forty in any of these three games, then. Bush should be fired after the game, and not not because it's Bush's fault. It's all Peterson's fault. But you can't postpone the inevitable. Fire Bob Gregory now, <laughs> and fire Bush after the Apple Cup. Neither are going to happen, my friend. Or reassign Bush to tight end coach because Pow Pow will be fired. Pow Pow. Pow Pow. You don't know who's going to be fired. You you have no idea. Well, I, I wouldn't say. I mean, your your first statement is correct. I don't know. Now, as far as me having no idea, there is. I, I would I wouldn't say you're a hundred percent correct on that, or even eighty one percent correct. But there is some there there is some truth there. Okay. I'm just guessing. I honestly. So you're still in the camp that nobody's going to get fired. I I don't think anyone's going to get fired. Now they're. There could be a change. Maybe a guy takes on a different job, but I don't think anyone's going to get let go because of performance. Then what? I mean, what do we have to do then to get? I think what the, the coaches would tell you: execution. Uh, you know, guys getting experience. I I really think that's what they would say. We got a few pieces here and there that just uh, you know we got to shore up. I think Pete's a big continuity guy, and I know he has made some firings in a sense, or that's parted ways on however you want to slice it. But the accountant Chris Strausser wasn't fired. Remember that, according yeah. to according to Dogman and UW Dog Pound, he enhanced his career by going yeah. to be an assistant assistant coach in the NFL. Where his his pay was much lower, and well, and I think we understood that Strausser, like, what he didn't enjoy the recruiting aspect, and if if you don't enjoy recruiting and the demands of the job, like, you're just not going to survive. You're you're not going to be able to do it because it's just too grueling. And the one thing about uh, Peterson, if you look at the all the assistant coaches that he has brought in. They have yeah. all been killing it in recruiting, with the exception of Will Harris, because we don't really know. I mean, is he tag teaming recruiting with Jimmy Lake, you know, I, I, or he's working on twenty twenty one guys or whatever? But look, so people would say, well, "What about Lubick? He wasn't a good recruiter." Lubick recruited really well that first year. The second year, when he got passed over to be offensive coordinator, that's what he checked out and didn't get, didn't get Joe Nagata. But the first year, he got Osborne, Spiker. Uh, yank off because of him. So, I, I mean, the offensive line coach, Scott Huff, he's been killing it. Akaika Malloy, he's been killing it. Junior Adams, I mean, getting Puka was huge. How huge was that on short notice? And he already got Jalen McMillan, who looks like he's the best uh, receiver in California. A very high four-star guy. So, Peterson, I, I have a lot of confidence that Whoever he brings in, I mean, you get a couple more new assistant coaches on the staff, you're going to have you're going to have top ten recruiting classes over the next couple of years. We just don't know if Huff can coach. Uh, you know, I'm not really worried about that. Let's find out next year. We'll we'll find out in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we'll should find- should we go back to someone like Strausser then? No, probably not. No, they they weren't getting they weren't getting good enough players. Yeah, but Elbers has been fine. 
No, yeah, the offensive line has been fine. They're not the reason we lost these past two games. I mean, look, they held they held up really well against the Utah front. Yeah, no, they did. No, no question. I mean, Easton's turnovers were really dumb decisions. Yeah, there's, I was two, there's two bad. interceptions. They were just just horrible decisions. Just a bad game. Like that's all he can. He knows it. You know, he's he's not lost on the fact. How did we get away from talking about Oregon State? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't have much to say about him, to be frank. I, I mean, they can score points, and, you know, Smith will probably have, you know, he'll probably have a, he'll know a few wrinkles. He'll know tendencies. These things will not be lost on on Jonathan Smith, that might that could help their defense a little bit. But uh, look, Arizona's offense is ranked 46 in Beta rank, and they scored 38 points against Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know this offense could put up 50 points. At Utah's offense ranked number 20. They scored 52. UCLA 31. Okay, UCLA's offense is ranked 58, and they scored 31 points. Yeah. So, th- this is this is a 50 burger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was thinking like 47, 50 points for Washington. In this yeah, because we'll probably pussy it at the end of the game. We won't finish. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, Peyton Henry's probably going to get a couple field goals. I'm sure he will. Well, it, it depends how our defense plays because if we, I I, I don't think we're going to give up more than like thirty points, and so that you know we're not going to like score sixty. Like if they only score twenty eight or thirty one. No, we're not scoring sixty points. No, but unless it's like our yeah, unless our defense really gives up a lot, which I don't see happening. I, I think our look, Oregon State, their offense is very good. They're going to score points, but they had a lot of issues. With Utah's front, and I think our defensive line is—I is, think they're going to have a good game. I think oh, they're going to so be disruptive. You want prediction or what? Yeah, go, come on, Mister Ricky Henderson, go for it. I'm, I'm going to go. Washington scores 46, and I'm going to give Oregon State 30 points. 46-30, Washington. Dogs cover. What's the spread? I think it's like 10 or 11 and a half. That was more of a statement than a question. Is the spread only 10 points? Yeah, it might be 11 or 12 by now. Let me let me pull that up for you. Give me uh, about give me about 10 seconds here. Well, why don't you just give your score while you're looking? No. Um, I think we are going to score We are going to get, um, let me load this up. Spread consensus pick. Wow, it's only 10. Their quarterback. That's unbelievable. 10 points? Their quarterback has only, he's 19 touchdowns and one pick. That's pretty damn good. That is pretty damn good. Boy, I mean,. Ten points, and I think I think Jamar Jefferson. I think he's been hurt. I don't know if he came back. I mean, this is some preview. Uh, their backup, Artavis Pierce, he's been running really well, but they've been doing this without Jamar Jefferson, who I thought was the best running back in the league. Like he's yeah. really good. No, he's very good. So they're doing a hell of a job on offense, but I think our talent is just going to be too much eventually. But they'll score some. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm gonna go 48 to 24. We're gonna double them up. All right. I like it. Works for me, man. Yeah, the 48 points will be all. It, that'll be in three quarters, by the way. Good. Good. We're gonna close out the season strong. Good. I hope you're right. But hopefully not strong enough for Eason to climb on draft boards. 
that maybe that's why he threw those. He had those turnovers against Utah. He was just driving down his own stock because he wants to come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> sure of it. All right, any final words of wisdom, brother? I got, I got no words of wisdom, brother. Nothing. Well, that uh, makes two of us. Go get a W. On, on that note, everybody, enjoy the game and enjoy the truck racing before. Oh, any comment on basketball? Big game against Baylor. Baylor's ranked. Yeah, number 12 in the nation, I believe. Yeah, good luck to them. I hope they win. Yeah, I, I love Mike Hopkins. I know you do. I, I know. That, that was such a fantastic hire. I really give Jen Cohen a lot of credit on that hire. Oh, I know you do, buddy. You could have a whole pod about your love for Hopkins. Love that guy. I know you do. Well, we, we can briefly touch on the Baylor game if you like. You mean the after the game or right now? Yeah. No, <laughs> next week. You're supposed to say, is Romar still the coach? Like, oh, shit. That's your yeah. line. I blew it. Whenever I, we talk about basketball, you always have to ask. Yeah, no, I know. I know. All right, on that note... Uh, enjoy both games and uh, we'll talk next week go dogs yes.